Have you ever struggled to talk to your manager or the leadership team on strategies that you know would improve the traffic and the bottom line revenue to the business that you work in? Maybe it's the company culture, or it might just be you. This episode is all about overcoming fear in the workplace and becoming resilient. Today's guest, Dee Williams, is going to talk to us about her story and where her resilience comes from. And then we're going to segue into how you can bring your inner fire in the form of resilience and overcome your fears in the workplace. Welcome to the EMJ SEO podcast, where it's all about you learning SEO so that you can rank in Google. Hey, it's Matt Hepburn. I'm an SEO professional with 13 years of experience working as a consultant, working in large and small agency. And for the past seven years, I've been working in the enterprise sector for some of the biggest brands out there. I provide SEO tips for beginners, and I tell you straight out what's going to work and what's not going to. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides link building through podcast episode show note links. If you're looking to support Google's EEAT framework for your SEO, you can build links as an expert, educating from your experience on podcast guest interviews. Let your links to your website stand out from the crowd. Visit us at interviewbookers.com. Now, without further ado, here is Dee Williams. Hey there, Dee. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm phenomenal. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing much better now that you're on the show. So uh, I can't tell you how excited I'm to have you on the show and have your energy and to tell a little bit about your story. And um, one of the main themes of this this episode is really about professionals and how they overcome fear and how they become resilient and find that inner strength inside themselves, which all ties back to your story. Yeah. So I was I was hoping you could tell the listeners a little bit about uh yourself, your business, and then, you know, where does your resilience, where does your, where does it come from? Like some of your story, whatever you're willing to share, because you are a lioness and you are fierce and I love it. So I appreciate that love. So first, thank you for having me here. I really Absolutely. appreciate that. And I want to say welcome to everyone. Hi, my name is Dee Williams, Audationaire. Uh, we're recently, I'm adding the Audationaire to the end of my name because that is exactly who I am. And I hope to inspire each and every one of you to be an audationaire. If you're not familiar with the term audationaire, it is a person who's willing to take surprisingly bold, brave risks in life, in their career, in their business. And, and they're typically the people who do what others deem are completely impossible or, or not achievable. And, and they're seen as a valuable asset, right? They're seen as a valuable asset, as someone that's worth an incomprehensible amount of dollars or yen or whatever, wherever you're from or pounds. So an auditionaire can, can be wealthy or not, <laughs> right. but they have to be someone who, um, who can get through things, right? It's not, auditionaires are people who think um, in a lack mindset or that they think they can't do it. Audationaires, they know they can. It's not even a think or a belief. It's like, it's a knowing, right? I know I'm going to do this. And, um, and, and there's no other question. There's nothing else on the table. And so that's, that is, that kind of is an introduction to who I am, right? right. Um, um, that is my story. That's been my path. I am, I say I'm a little chocolate chick from Baltimore, mm -hmm. <laughs> grew up um, in the 70s, in the 77. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. I feel like I'm like 27 still. So 77 seems crazy. Do not feel bad. I am 56. So, so there you have it. Um, and, you know, just like a lot of stories, you hear people that grew up in, in some, you know, some of the underserving neighborhoods, you know, they grew up pretty rough. And I was definitely one of those people. And um, my story starts, you know, with family, family drama, mommy problems, daddy problems at a very young age. 
And I will say that I, I experienced a lot of moving and um, we moved a lot. And because my mom worked, I went to babysitters, right? She would leave me at people's homes and um, they would take care of me. And um, and I've gotten into a lot of situations where those babysitters weren't so great people. They either physically abused me with their hands or they physically sexually abused me with their bodies, right? Yeah. And um, that those experiences started when I was seven, when I was eight, when I was nine. And they really shaped my thought process around life. Um, what I gathered around that time, I would say by the, the, the third experience that I had, I was around eight. By that time, I realized that I could not depend on grownups yeah. and that I needed to figure out how to take care of myself because every grownup that I come in contact with um, has they say one thing, but they do something totally different. And the things that they do don't feel good. They don't feel naturally good. And so um, so that those are flags for me. And I, I had to get smart very early on to understand who I was dealing with. And it, it started there. And I'm going to tell you, my mom tried to fix things. She tried to move us out of the, the ghetto to the hood to, you know, the, the county. And I ran away every day, every day, every day and that my family got sick of it. I, um, I ran away every day. <laughs> and I mean, I ran away to people's homes. I didn't even know I was just knocking on the door just so I, I did not have to be there. Yeah. And so when you start maneuvering through life, and you start experiencing things because naturally these people aren't good people I'm coming in contact with, you get stronger and you start to understand that you have to put on a shield and you have to read energy and you have to think differently than what the average person may be thinking. And my life really was like that from, I would say, seven or eight until... Um, I would say 11 or 12 when I, I got pregnant. So I got pregnant at 11, had my first child when I was 12. And uh, that was a very challenging experience for me because I definitely didn't know anything about motherhood. Right. And my mom pretty much at that time had said, you know, like I am going to you know, not help you for the most part. If you want to keep this baby because she wanted otherwise, which made sense at the time, I guess, I don't know. I was 11. You know, what do you say? What do you do? The people at church are talking about you. Yeah. You know, she's fighting with the people at church. The family is talking. Like, I can't even imagine now looking back what my mom was going through. I was too angry at her to have those conversations. Then now I look back and say, wow, what would I have done? Right. Yeah. But hindsight is so different. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yes, yeah, so I I she, you know, she wanted to. I, I I the day before we were supposed to fly out to to do it, the procedure, I told her I'm not. And um, she was like, What are you talking about? You don't have any rights to say I'm not. I say, Yeah, but I'm not. I don't know who he's gonna be. He might be the next Dr. King, he might be the next guy who saves some guy's life. I don't know, but I'm not. I'm not doing it. So we got to figure something else out. And um, she's like, well, you know, I'm not going to help you. I'm like, okay, well, then I'll figure it out, even though I knew she would. And she did, um, you know, and so, okay. And so that was my story. So now I had to live that story out everywhere I went. You can't even imagine the things that people would say to me. You know, because they did not know my story. They just assumed I was out here having sex with a lot of men or what have you. So people judged me immediately. And it was like, oh my gosh, you're 11, you're pregnant, you're 12 with a, you're 12 and you're pregnant with a baby. Where are your parents? It was horrible. So it, that also forced me to build up some resilience, right? Because I already knew how people were going to come at me if I said how old I was or if they, um, asked questions. And so, um, so I, I, and I'm, I'm want to just lay the foundation because I want you to see how I got where I started at and how I got here. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so that happened and, and, um, life went on and, um, I ended up 
having another baby. And when I was about 15 or 16 and, um, and, and life went on and now I'm 15 with two kids <laughs> and, um, and I went and I was living on my own by that time. I had my own right. apartment. I got my own apartment when I was 15, I think. 15 and nine months, like I was about to be 16 years old and move my two babies and my boys. And um, it was in the hood of hoods, 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 the worst hoods of Baltimore. And it was one of the most um, horrific experiences that a person could probably have, but also liberating at the same time. Um, I had my own for once. I was independent. Nobody could hurt me or tell me what to do or um, make me do things that I don't want to do, force themselves. Like nobody could do that. I was in control. So from that perspective, it was great. But if you would have saw my house, there were holes in the floor. I didn't have a refrigerator. I didn't have a stove. Um, I didn't have curtains. I didn't have a bed. Um, you know, I um, it was crazy. And um, I met this drug dealer and he saw me going down the street one day with my kids. And he was like, you know, who are you? You live here? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, how old are you? I'm like, okay, here we go again. And I tell him and he said, those are your children? And I said, yeah. And he said, where do you live at? And I showed him. He said, I want to go see your house. Now, the normal person would have said, hell no. Right. And I'm sorry. <laughs> they would have said, heck no, you know? Yeah. And, and based on the experiences I already had, I would have been a fool to let this guy come to my house. But I let this guy come to my house because something said to, and I did. And he saw my house and I could tell he was a little disturbed by right. what he saw. I didn't have anything, but it was just not together. It was a, it was a, a rat hole, right? And um, so he pulled $500 out of his pocket He's like, take this, go to the market, go buy yourself something, go buy something for you and the kids, you know, like just, and come back here in a couple of hours. So I came, I went, I was so excited. I didn't have a refrigerator. <laughs> I asked my neighbor downstairs, if I bought some food, could I put the food in a refrigerator? And they say yes. So I was excited. I went and, you know, got us in the stroller and I went down there and he left. And when I came back, he was um, outside of my house with a truck, with a box spring and a mattress. Um, with a crate and one of those milk crates, a black and white TV, um, a crib or a bassinet for my son, some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle blankets, <laughs> and just things that he felt like I could have used. If he saw that it was missing. He put the blankets up on my walls. He plugged the TV in. He says, not much. He's like, you know, you got to go out there and figure shit out. Excuse me. Sorry. You got to go. He said that though. He said, you got to go out there and figure stuff out on your own. He was like, I'm not going to do anything for you. He said, but I am going to do one thing for you. He said, I will never let nobody hurt you on this block. He said, you will be protected. You will never have to worry about your safety. And he meant that. So when I walked the neighborhood, those guys protected me and my kids because he told them to leave me alone. I don't think I had so much of that experience prior to that. So that was my lifestyle, you know, and even the process of getting the refrigerator and and the rats eating the bottles, breaking through the bottles. So my son, then my son didn't have anything. I mean, it was so many crazy moments in my life where I look back now and I'm like, man, how am I here? But shortly after that time in my life, I actually, um, I started looking at things a little bit differently. And I was like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be on welfare. I don't want to be like the people that I see around me. I want something different. So I started going to the library every day, Towson State University. And I would go up there with my children and I started teaching myself how to use Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel. And so that I could go back to a temp agency and try to get a job as a, a receptionist or an admin. And every time I went to the temp agency, I would fail the test. So I would go back up to the library and teach myself. And one night the librarian said, um, what are you doing here so late? I see you up here every day with these kids. Your kids are crying. Like I hadn't fed them. I probably didn't have any money. And um, I, I told her what I was doing. And she asked me how old I was. And I told her and I was scared. I'm not even going to lie. I was like, this lady's going to try to take my kids. And she told me to come back up here tomorrow at 8 a.m. And um, I was like, I'm not coming back up there tomorrow. 
But that whole ride home, I fought with it. Like, do I go back up there? Do I not? Now they're going to try to take my kids because I'm young, you know, whatever. And um, I went back up there and little to my know, they had built a play center for my boys and had food and snacks for them in the corner. And then she worked with me every day and she worked with me every day. Every day I went up there, she worked with me to help me learn how to use Microsoft Office. And every week I would go to a new temp agency yeah. and I would register until I passed the test. Like I went, like I passed the That's test. Awesome. And so then my first real job, my real, real first job where I actually was using a real government ID and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I went through a temp agency and, you know, now here I have actually been a recruiter for temp agencies for years, like one of the top recruiters in the industry. I am the top trainer and coach for showing people how to start staffing businesses. Um, companies call me all the time, American uh, Staffing Association about training recruiters and so forth. It has become my gift. Uh, one of my gifts. And, and it's just, it's so full circle because those were just bits and pieces of like that journey with everything was like not going for me at all. For my first 21 years, my life was um, literally hell on earth. Like I, I, I have to tell you this, you know, I, I, I actually tried to kill myself one time. And I did not tell anybody. I'm telling you, this is how bad my life was right. in that moment. I, you know, I was pregnant actually with my son, my second son. And um, I stepped in front of a bus. And real in real life, I stepped yeah. in front of a bus. So so what happened? Uh, did... Walked towards, I was walking towards the bus and in the middle of the street. And as I'm walking towards the bus, he clearly, it starts to click what I'm doing. So he starts to break. And so I, you know, stopped to embrace the impact that I knew was going to, I knew he wasn't going to be able to stop. And he stopped. And when I say he stopped, it was like so close when I did like this, I was, my tongue could touch the window <laughs> of the bus. And he was sweating and crying, like snot was coming out of his nose. And he was bent over like this in front of the bus. And he was like shaking his head, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I, I put my hands down when I put my tongue back in my mouth and I immediately started bawling. And the words that came out of my mouth was, I don't, I can't even kill myself right. And I turned around. I went back to my grandmother's house, you know, and, and that was the mode that I was in. So I was vibrating very low. Everything was falling apart every day, all day. Everybody was taking advantage of me. Everybody was hurting me. And, and I was just out there trying to fight through, trying to figure out who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And um, am I a good person? Because I can't be a good person if all of these things are happening to me. You know, so like it, it was, it was a, it was a situation. So, but this podcast I know is about resilience and resolve. And I wanted to share my story with you because sometimes you can be going through the worst things. I mean, things that you would never share with anyone in the world, but what's going on on the inside is what's most important. And that's what resilience is about. It's about the inner you. And the inner you is the actually true version of you. And it's the version that most people don't want to face. And you got to be really bold and really brave to be able to face the real version of you. Because some of you are not resilient, yeah. you know, or don't have resolve. And so when things come your way, you get to work and someone says something crazy to you, then you don't know how to handle it. Or, you know, someone doesn't believe in your dream. And so then you completely give up, you know, no, you have to go and look deep within and define who you truly are. And a part of humanity is being resilient. It's there. You might not know how to tap into it. 
You might got to fish around yep. for, <laughs> but it's who we are. So you got to go in and look for that version of yourself and ensure that at least a piece of that version of you lives. So if you ever need it, if you have to use it, you can pull it right up, <laughs> shake it and bake it. No, I, I put I, it back I, in. Yeah, I love it. So for me, I and I, I, I love, I love your story. In I mean, it's hard. You had a hard life, a hard, hard life, and it sounds like at some points you had just, just, just were in a, in a dark place. But it seems like that a lot of people that came into 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 touch with you, right? There was something guiding them, right? Whether it was empathy opened up with them, or or maybe it was God or an angel or something, but they saw through to the real you. They saw into that, right? Mm -hmm. And they helped out. And mm -hmm. to me, it's about, life is about taking little steps and just cause each day, taking little steps towards what you're trying, where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who, who can't find that or who are stuck are not taking those little steps because it's it's really this journey that we're on, right? It's not, you know, if we finally are there, once we finally say, hey, I'm there, I've, I figured it all out. Well, you know what? We've finished the journey and we, we've kind of lost the mission because there's always somewhere else that we need to, uh, skill we need to, we skill we need to, we can improve or we need to get, it's not about, hey, I'm an expert or I'm a guru or that. It's really about, I'm still on this journey. And then it's also about sharing that journey, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. So, and, and I agree The I, I definitely, from 7 to 21, had more negative experiences than right. positive ones. But I will tell you that I definitely, the most impactful experiences that I had were people who were definitely my angels. Yeah. There's no question about that. I cannot deny that. And and um, and those are the reasons that I have to talk about those individuals. Because oh, absolutely. Those, yeah, because... The one small thing that that drug dealer, he could have been a different guy. Yeah. You know, um, the lady at the library, she could have made a different decision. The things that I was afraid about. But also, I want to say on top of that. It also shows that I'm also a risk taker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because even though I'm experiencing all of these things coming at me and this is yet another person who's saying they're going to do one thing. And I don't really know that that's true. I was still willing to feel their energy out enough to say, mm, maybe they might be a little safe. Maybe I can trust them a little bit, or I, I at least have to take that step just to see if it fails. Okay. I, at least I thought it out, but I got to at least try, you know? And I think that's also important when you're talking about taking little steps is being able to recognize that when you make the decision that you're going to take those steps, the universe, God, like is going to literally bring people into your circle that are going to be key, key points, key references of your life. I, I feel like they're crossroads when you meet those particular people yeah. and they begin to help you shape and define who you really are as a human being. So- I think also what you might be implying, but you didn't say, but I think you might be implying that you need to be open to those experiences as well, right? If you're not, if you're shut to any of that, to meeting new people or those, you're, it's going to pass you by. So you have to be open, which is hard if you're in, been around a lot of negativity and people trying to squash your dreams and you're trying to do something different. It's hard to stay open, right? So. I I love this. If if it's all right with you, uh, are you okay if we move on to some questions? Yeah, sure. Okay. So for young professionals, like on our podcast, it's a lot about these people who want to learn SEO, right? And how can they change their life and become, you know, they're they are transcending into something else, right? So for young professionals, I know a lot of them are they're scared or they're fearful once they're in the workplace. As an example, they might be nervous to give their feedback to a supervisor or to speak up in meetings. Um, what would you 
recommend to them how they can overcome their fear. Yeah. And so they they can step out a little bit outside of the, that fear and in, in, into themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. So first, overcoming your fear, especially in a workplace. Yeah. Is all it's first, you've got to identify what it is that you're afraid of. Right. Right. What What is the fear? Am I afraid of rejection? Am I afraid that they're going to yell at me? Am I afraid of being made fun of? But first, you have to figure that out. Once yeah. you understand what the fear is, for me, I start to communicate in writing first. I'm not going to tell you a story. I'll start the things that I'm nervous about or uncomfortable about. I will start in writing because I can communicate a little bit better. My thoughts, right? Um, and that maybe be more for me, but just for me like to kind journal. of understand mm-hmm, a journal, yeah. maybe start to create a plan on how I want to um, better attack um, whatever that fear is and how I want to move with that fear. Right. Um, sometimes you're working with a manager, right? That, right. that you're intimidated and talking to. You got to, I know you're afraid, but when you write it out and put your notes out, it'll give you a little bit more courage to actually pull them to a side or schedule a meeting and say, hey, I just want to go over a few things with you and, and get your get your thoughts on that. And so make it more about them than yourself. And then that'll put their guard down and, um, and it'll allow them hopefully to communicate with you in a different way. But if you're dealing with someone who is rude or um, who makes you feel like um, you are less than or um, or maybe a boss who you're afraid to talk to because they feel they they make you feel like you own them. Um, One, you do have to you do have to stand up for yourself at least once. Then, two, you have to stand up for yourself in writing so that you have a track record. And then three, you need to go to HR, okay? And you do those in steps. But I just want to mention that because a lot of times people don't know exactly what steps to take when they're in that type of situation. So I'm going to ask another question that kind of attached to this. Um, how do you think or what would, what is the recommendations that you would give to a young professional for them to be resilient and overcome obstacles within the office? Mm-hmm. Yeah, resilience and oh, you know, resilience is is all about being able to withstand something that it that may um, be extraneous, right? And then be able to bounce back from from that um, when when the time comes <laughs> or after it happens, right? Right. Um, being resilient in a workplace is just about a mindset internally, right? It's about who you. For for me, it's about who am I attempting to be or present myself as because you're working towards something. When you go to work, you're not just going to work. You're going to work to learn. You're growing. You're evolving into this next version of yourself. So I go into work coming in knowing that I'm learning to evolve. So who am I looking to evolve into? Who am I looking to be? So I want to make that clear. And then how do I get there? Right. And so um, if this is who I'm looking to be, then in order for me to be in that way, then I have to carry myself that way on the inside. Like, you know, and so as things are happening and coming my way, or if I'm going after things, because it can be two ways. You could be either striving for something or things can be happening to you. You have to stay super focused on the goal, the prize. And and that is being resilient in itself because the moment things sway, what someone who's not resilient does is they give up or they give it over to the other person and lose the project, or they do their very worst on the project instead of giving their very best to the project, right? Right. They, you know, so being resilient is, is about, okay, I failed in this particular area, or I'm not good in this particular area. How do I get better? I mentioned earlier that I became one of the top recruiters in the industry. I was working at this company. And when I first got there, my appearance, the way I looked, did not really reflect who I was and what I was about to do when I got in there. 
um, over time, people began to learn she's the person that I want to talk to because I became the top recruiter every month, every month. I won every month. That's how everybody even got to know who I was. So who is this young lady who keeps becoming a top recruiter? So when the beginning where nobody really wanted to hang out with me, you know, right. I couldn't get them to go to lunch with me. But after the third time, I feel like I was top recruiter. I never paid for lunch again, ever. Every day, someone was coming to me saying, can I buy you lunch? And at first, I didn't know why, but then they all said something similar. Well, if you're the top recruiter, I want to know what you do. Well, if you're the top recruiter, I want to be around you. Well, if you're the top recruiter, I want to pick your brain. And so every day they would buy me lunch. And I was like, well, I saw you made that placement. Would you do that? I would have never did that. Why did you do that? I mean, they were literally, and those were the people who then became my competition. Right. And then eventually I began training the people in the company. They're now a $30 million company, but like that is literally how that process. But for me, I was being resilient. <laughs> you know, I was moving forward regardless of what was going around. For them, they were also being resilient in their own way. They were trying to figure out how they can beat the best, how they can beat the best. So being resilient is about having a mindset. It's about pushing. It's about looking for the goal and understanding where the goal is and moving towards that and being okay with the failures, like being okay with the mistakes and then finding ways to become better or to fix those failures and mistakes so that you can continue with your evolution process. I know that was kind of technical, but- No, no, it's it's great. So I'm going to add one thing into there okay. that always happens is what happens with compromise, right? So- Sometimes we don't get what we want when we're working across teams, right? Or with a lot of different teams and we may want something or we think it's best, but, you know, how do we work best across teams? So it's not just our own team, but how do we do that? And sometimes there's a compromise to get to where we need to, to, to be. And how does that fit into being resilient? So. Yeah. Um, is uh, for me, teamwork is about energy, right. and and being able to compromise is about energy, right? Um, so when we start talking about cross cross referencing teams and 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 getting people to buy into your ideas, and right? Different exactly that um, it really is about bringing your ideas to the table and then asking them to bring theirs to the table too, right? You two finding those happy mediums. I call it pulling the layers back. I say, let's let's can we meet? Can we can we all meet so we can go pull the layers back a little bit? <laughs> and people know that means oh, we're gonna we're gonna brainstorm. We're gonna figure out what the compromise is, right? So you got to put it on the table. This is what yeah, I'm bringing yeah. to the table. You bring to the table. Let's pull the layers back and see what we can make happen. Uh, so I this brings me right to my next question. I love this, which is. How can professional people like influence their ideas across teams to other people, right? So yeah. how can they, and not necessarily so it's like they just win their ideas, but so that people understand the importance of what we're bringing to the table and what the importance of that is to the company and how can it help the company mm -hmm. so they get a better understanding, right? Mm -hmm. And so once we get the better understanding, then we can pull those layers back together and we can make that compromise. So three things. Yes. So one, you've got to come and know your stuff. And when I say know your stuff, uh, so maybe four, <laughs> um, you've got to come to the table with your idea um, in a confident manner, right? And you got to know what you're talking about. And, and from that perspective, you have to be able to connect with a person's brain, their thought process. So you've got to be able to present your idea in a way that it connects with them mentally and that it makes sense. The second part is your energy. You've got to bring some crazy energy so that people feel the life of your idea. Okay. And, um, and that's a lot of times that goes to my part three, which is connecting with their heart. You've got to bring a story. You've got to, you've got to get the buy-in emotionally, right? So you've got to have an emotional buy-in, you've got to have a mental buy-in, and you've got to bring some crazy confidence and some really great energy around your idea. When you do that, 
um, people will feel the energy of your idea because ideas are babies. They're really physical things that people don't acknowledge. Ideas are real. They are tangible things we can touch. We touch them every day. We're on an idea right now. We are. We are. We are. <laughs> so when you have an idea, you are the only person that can define whether or not this idea is actually going to have a heartbeat and if it's going to run and live or if it's going to be in the float, you know, in the, in the in the wind and it's going to catch somebody else and they're going to bring bring it to life. Right. So if you're decided this is the idea I bring into the table and you feel confident about it, you feel sure about it, you know that this is what needs to happen and you can visualize it in your mind. I would encourage you, this is getting ready to sound very weird, but I would encourage you to generate real energy in your heart muscle. I'm talking about the type of energy that's like, how do I describe it? If you, a determined energy, that's the best way I can say it. Okay. Think of like, think of like you being in a, maybe an accident and um, your mom, your child, whatever, a truck or car is trying to, you're going to do your best to pick that car up, right? Even if you right. know you can't do it, you're going to try. You know you're going to save their life. It's that type of energy, that, that, that no matter of fact energy. You bring that, let that rumble in your heart. That's how you bring the heartbeat of your idea to life, really. And then you start talking about it. So I hear people all the time, say, don't talk about your ideas. That is crazy. You should 100% talk about your ideas. You just have to be careful about who you talk to your ideas with, but you have to talk about your ideas because this here is a manifesto. So when you speak it, then it starts to, it adds on the next layer of bringing it to life. Then you've got to write it out so that you, and so now you're scripting it, which is a manifesto. <laughs> so now you're bringing that idea to life. And then when you share it, now you're exchanging energy and now you're manifesting and you're further bringing this idea to life. And, and when you get that energy or that idea, then you can influence anyone, right? Even if they don't get it up here, it's going to touch their heart here. If you don't catch their heart here, they're going to feel the energy physically, right? And then they're going to at least want to learn more. So those are the most important things. And then one more thing I would add, I think is really important. And that is to read a few books about how to influence people here. Since you're going to be using this to manifest, you want to make sure you're using the right words or using the right phrases. There's this book I love, Exactly What to Say. I cannot think of the guy's name. He's going to kill me right now. But um, I, I actually give this book to every one of my new hires, every last new hire. Thank Think Grow Rich? No. That's not that one. By uh, Napoleon Hill. Exactly what to know. No, this book is the most valuable book. Do you mind if I get it? Give me one second. Go for one, it. Go for it. No, one second. This is the most valuable book anybody can have. This is the book right here. This is, this is, I mean, y'all can see I use it a lot. I love you, Phil. <laughs> exactly what to say. Yes. And everyone, he's got, I don't know if this is showing up properly or not with my little thing, but he's got um, two books. And as you can see, my book, I've got all types of posty notes and sure. stuff in it because it's, I use it. And um, he actually, I give it to every one of my staff members when they come on, they're required to read it. And, um, and in, in my, in my academy, I, it's one of the books, the must read books for my academy members. So a lot of the conversation that you all hear me are words of influence, right? Because I'm always selling my idea or I'm selling my energy or I am selling my, um, whatever the case may be, yep. right? My love, my life. <laughs> so I, I love this and I'm going to have one caveat to this, which okay, is so. with SEOs, we're usually talking very technical stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to sell an idea across teams, especially to other people who are not technical, about, they don't understand it, mm -hmm. you have to be more of selling this like the C-suite, right? So you have to keep these ideas as you're communicating them. If you were to do a C-suite uh, slide or something you're going to present, you're usually going to have four or five sentences or very small bullet points on this to communicate up your idea and everything else is in the, the appendix of a PowerPoint. 
right? So you're keeping it really, really simple because the problem is with SEOs uh, in this technical space, we will make your eyes cross and put you to sleep in less than five minutes. So- But didn't you tell me you want people to be themselves? I do, but I want them to do to be able to sell the idea in a way that other, 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 they won't put people to sleep. So they have, you got to bring the energy. You got to bring the energy and you got to say in a simple enough way where you're not going to make them have to think too hard. You have to explain what is it going to do for the business and what is the impact if you don't do it for the business. Yeah. And if you put it on those levels, right, and you explain it that way, that's all they care about, right? Anyway, is, is numbers, metrics, right? If you got it up to that level, uh, to the C-suite, they were like, well, how is this going to impact the business? Why is this important to the business? Right. And if you cannot communicate that, then you're, it's a problem putting that thing, it, that's going to go on the back burner. It's not so not a caveat, more of an add-on. Just make sure you an add-on, short yeah. and sweet. Just keep it yeah. short, sweet, short and sweet. Way. Come with the passion, Come with how it's going to impact the business. I love what you're talking about coming from here and coming from the heart. This is this is absolutely great. So the next thing, which you're really good at, is how do we get people to take action on what we're selling them, right? Yeah. How do we do that? Yeah. So especially once once they've agreed, once they have agreed that what you're bringing to the table is a good idea, mm-hmm. a lot of good ideas die on the table because no it doesn't get action after that so mm-hmm. how, how do we move beyond this is a good idea to if, if you're bringing if if you are bringing an idea to it to the table you have to have the master plan to back it up right you right. have to have the steps on what the implementation needs to Love be or what next steps are so an idea just can't be here 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 without having the plan So I say always have a checklist, right? Or a overview. Um, I like, if I'm bringing an idea to the table, I don't, any idea, I like to start with an agenda. What are we going over? Yes. Uh, You know, whatever the the idea is, we talk about the idea, whatever we're presenting. And then, you know, at the end, here are the next steps. This -hmm. is what I would like to see you do. And this is how you can do it. This is at least give them the first step, right? Um, so that they can feel like they're taking action. I like to give maybe three or four steps so that we mm-hmm. can move the process along. But that's how you get people to actually take action. You assign them a task. Nope. I love it. I love it. So now we're going to back up one or two steps, which is saying, how can we talk to professionals? We're like, hey, we've got the process down, but how can they identify what's holding them back? And mm-hmm. so that we can say, how do we make them move forward? Right. How can we get them to make a self-assessment mm-hmm. and to really pause for a second? So it could be fear, it could be whatever it is, but how do we get them to understand that if if they're coming to the place where they're saying multiple times, well, it can't be me. Well, if it happens multiple times, it might be, right? So how do we make an assessment to to see if we're the problem and we need to change ourselves. So. I really feel like that starts with feedback, right? Most people aren't in tune with themselves enough to be right. able to see their own flaws, right? It typically starts with a level of feedback. And um, if you, you know, if you, I, I was going to say something, I want to say it a little <laughs> bit differently. I think it is important every now and then to get feedback from your peers, you know, and you can do it in a, in a professional way. I just want to get just your thoughts on if, if you could, you know, give me feedback on two or three things that you think I could do better. What would that be? People love to give that feedback. Um, and, and then once you add that, then you take that and then it's time to do your inside work, right? Yeah. That's what, but to, to assess it, to figure out what it is, I would look at feedback and then acknowledge or not. Um, but if someone tells me like, D, I feel like you're very selfish, which nobody's ever said that, but if they did, I would have to look at that and say, okay, let me see, you know, how I would start pulling those layers back. How do you feel that way? Can you give me an example of where you saw I was selfish? And then I would probably start asking a couple of other people, do you think I'm a selfish person? You know, have you seen me do anything that was stated? And then I start looking for patterns. 
And if I start hearing parents like, yeah, yeah you kind of are, I'm like, dang, man, I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you got to be open to acknowledge it too. Yeah, what no, yeah, because <laughs> sometimes people see things in different ways and it's not necessarily what you meant, mm-hmm. but they're, they can't, you know, people can judge you by just our tone of voice or an expression. Um, you know, the, people can judge us for a lot of things. It doesn't actually mean that that's your intention, but that's how you came across. Exactly. So that has happened to me before. Not that about has happened itself. to me plenty of times. So definitely. I was like, wait a minute, what I am? Oh, me. Yeah. So. And and sometimes that's really hard if that if that impression is set, mm-hmm. you know, it's like then you have to intentionally uh decide whether you're gonna make uh, a a change of based upon how you think they they saw that so that it you don't come across that way. Yeah. Right. Um for me, I always try to uh, you know, sometimes people call me an SEO expert or this or that, just and I'm like, look, hey, I've got 13 plus years in this, but you don't have to call me an expert. This is just what I do. This is who I am. Yeah. I'm no guru. Uh, you know, I, I I like to say, you know, I like people to know me for my accomplishments, but just the fact that I did accomplishment, not, nothing to like laurel me on or anything for that. It's just like, okay, I, you, you know that Matt can get the deal done. You know, yeah. I can do what I bring traffic to sites. I can do what I need to do, but it's, it's nothing more than that. I just want to have at the end of the day, like most professionals, meets expectation when my review comes, right? So mm-hmm. that happens so that I get my, um, I either get a raise or I get my bonus or I get both, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a merit increase, whatever that is. So I think that's what professionals really want to is to come across where they have that meets expectations. So. Yeah. We're going to get really deep now. So we're going to talk about how can professionals support their inner strength and what does that mean, mm. right? So how can they support their strength so that it it buoys up all these nautical terms the last few episodes? Uh, it Like how can they support everything that we've been talking about from inside themselves? And it doesn't necessarily have to be from the workplace. How do they do that? Yeah, um, definitely uh, being mindful about what you're listening to, like what you're taking in um, and, and who you're around. Yeah, And um, those are really, for me, the two key things and what you're reading. So I've definitely been times where I have me to grab a book. I'm going to grab a book. One okay. <laughs> I love it. I know we're book sharing. I love this. I love this so much. Okay. I got to get a book. Listen. I don't know. I don't know why my screen exactly what to say. Krista Mashore on okay. Stop, Snatch, and Switch on mindfulness, right? Okay, I love. Yeah, she's awesome. So, okay, which yeah. books? I love that. Yeah, but it is about that's the inner work. It's about you, right. like like outside is very chaotic. It's so much going on. You've got so many voices and different things like that. Um, I like to bike. I'm not going to tell you a story. I love to bike and I okay. can go about 30 miles before my booty starts to hurt. Um, wow. <laughs> so I love to bike. Um, I love to hike. I hike all the time. That's my time. I put my AirPods in and I'm gone. Um, I love to swim, you know. So finding things that that allow you to do things on your own. Right. Where you're right. not engaging with other people is how you you find your inner is where you really start to tap into your inner is you spending time with you. Right. No, no, I like it. I like it. What, what I find for me when I finally settle down is that I need to unplug. Hmm. Right. I'm always on the computer. I'm always on the phone. I got ear pods buds in. I got something. But like when I can just slow down for a minute, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, just slow down, turn off all the distractions. And maybe it's just sitting there and listening to the birds or something, right? Mm-hmm. Then I have a moment of peace. And I think that it's important that we're so busy all the time and we're always trying to improve, like, you know, if I'm at the gym, I'm listening to a podcast on on improving the podcast or whatever it might be. 
Right. We need to give ourselves time to recharge, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's a little bit of quiet. Um, That to me is really um, important, but. I agree. It's a little bit challenging though sometimes. Oh, it is really challenging. And everyone says, you know, and I agree, we do need to unplug. But realistically, most people are so wired, unplugging is the most challenging thing to do. (laughs) It is. It still is hard. And so that's why I say you want to do something where you're by yourself because meditation, mindfulness, and that can go, that can happen through your swim. All you can hear is you in the water, you, the water and God, that's it. That is a form of mindfulness. That's a form of meditation. It's a form of you connecting with yourself too. So I just hope some, some people don't be so hard on yourself. Like if you're one of those people who have ADHD or one of those people who can't (laughs) sit still or who find it very challenging to get into that space, just know that that's not the only way to tap inside within yourself. But if you're, you just have to be alone to be able to tap into meaning you're not dealing with other people or talking to other people. It just has to be you and yourself. And then that way you can, you can have those conversations that you need to have and to build the inner strength and the resilience that you need to go out into the world every day, rock it out at work and rock it out at church and with your friends, you know, because you're, you're putting that time into yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I got one more question, I think, and uh, which is what makes you feel inspired and like your best self? Right? Oh, anime. I love anime. I love anime. Like, oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite things in the world. I can't believe I said that first, but um, I love anime. I love shonen anime. I'm the protagonist in every story I see myself. Um, and I like, like, I got anime stuff. My my friends, my everybody knows I'm like an anime junkie. So I love my, ne- anime. my nephew liked it. So love. Uh, But I would also say music, you know, um, and being inspired by different sounds. And, um, you know, I listen to a lot of people online who I feel like are very inspirational and different things like that. But I'm going to be very honest with you. I am really a a self person. I'm really that person that um, I'm very honest with myself. Um, I'm very open with myself and, um, and I, I examine who I am every day. And so every day I wake up in that morning, I wake up, I get in that mirror. I'm like, mm, girl, you looking good today. Oh, <laughs> we getting fired up today. What are we going to do today? And then some days I get in the mirror and I'm like, you're not on your A game today. What's right. going on? Like, and then some days I get in the mirror and I'm like, okay, I see me going back into this pattern. And I'm trying to make excuses for going back into my old pattern, but I can't do that because I'm better than that. I know that I can achieve this. I have to step out of my comfort zone. So for me, it it is inner. I am all about the inner work. I don't need anything or anyone outside of me to tell me or to define me. I need to know who I am. And as long as I'm staying in contact with who I really am and being honest and authentic to myself, being true to myself, then I'll project that way to everyone else. And I'll stay fired up. And I am fired up. Like when I hire so, people I, I, and they yeah, actually work with me, yeah. they're like, oh, you're like this in real life. Like this is really your personality. And yeah, I love it. I, I love the fact that you're fired up. I wish I was as fired up as you are. But I don't have quite, so the inner work that I do is I trust my gut. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, and I think professionals, this happens with professionals, is we have one thing that's going on in our mind, Mm -hmm. right? As we want this money or we want this, that, whatever. We're choosing a job because of what actually uh, our mind is telling, but our gut is telling us something else, right? Mm -hmm. And if we listen to our gut, as professionals, mm-hmm. it's going to tell us, it's going to start bugging us if we're doing the wrong thing and everything is not aligned to who we are and our principles, mm-hmm. right? And our inner self. Mm-hmm. So if we, for, for me, when I pay attention to my gut and I start feeling something, if I can't sleep and I'm up and then all of a sudden I've got that feeling in my gut and then it goes into my chest, I'm like, 
this is not the right decision. Yeah. I am wrong. Yeah. My head is telling me to do something. My body is telling me to do something else. And I, for me, I'm like, I trust the gut because anytime that happens, if I do what my head tells me to do, I always end up in the wrong way, right? Mm -hmm. I always get into trouble or it's a job that I'm miserable at. When I trust what my body's telling me, mm -hmm. right? Then I'm in alignment with harmony of what my inner self is trying to tell me. And in when that happens, you know, it all works out. Mm -hmm. So you have to trust your inner self, right? Mm -hmm. So, sure. and that's your inner self telling you, like, what are you thinking? Like, right. that, that sounds great, but that's not you, right? right. So, right. <laughs> exactly. So I had to add that because I'm like, oh my God, she's talking in my language, right? So it's real. It, it is. And you got to pay attention. Like, if you don't pay attention to that, it is going to, it is going to turn you around and say, you know what? You need to listen to me because you are, and you are going to be miserable until you listen to what your inner self is telling you. So <laughs> yeah, you got to work through it. You got to work through it and, and you got to work through it. That's it. You got to work through it. That's how you grow. Yeah. You have to grow. Right. And, and what you thought you or where you wanted to work might not be in alignment with what's good for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be patient. But where you work as a young professional or as a professional, whether you're an older professional like me, uh, it all has to line up with what your body and your inner inner self needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you do that and you first of all, you're gonna find opportunities. Things are gonna, if you are staying agile. Things are going to come to you and just like you, like you look where you are now. You are, this is amazing. Right. Um, but for me, my professional life, I've almost every two years, I've gotten about a 20% lift in my income. Right. And, and it's only because I've stayed open, right. We talk about staying open and staying aligned. Mm -hmm. And this has only happened since I started doing SEO 13 years ago. Um, so I had, I had a different story, but I think when I left the mortgage industry, when the, when the market crashed in 2008, I went from making six figures doing direct mail down to making less than $27,000 in like three to four months, like the market totally crashed. So I had to reinvent myself. And so you're learning new skills. You're doing things just like, you know, uh, and I had to teach myself new skills. And so each, each year or every two years, you know, I gained more experience. I was able to move up when the opportunity came mm -hmm. and it's all about professionals staying open to change, mm -hmm. learning new skills, not being scared of new skills. Like right now we got this chat GBT thing. I'm like, I don't oh, know what yeah. love with it. Like right. we have full blown conversations every day. Yeah. So we have all this AI coming, which is disrupting the digital space. Everybody's wor worried about their jobs, but if they, instead of being worried about it, if they embrace it, mm -hmm. right? Cause it's here, it's here and it's coming across all these different platforms. So how can you use this in a responsible way, right? How can you use it? And, but you know what? Next year, it's going to be something else. It's always yeah. going to be something else. In this part of the episode, Dee talks about how you can engage with her. Dee, how do we get in touch with you? How do we, uh, what programs, what books, what do we have that we can offer our listeners? Yes. So I want you, if you're, hold on one second though. But you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to share my stuff. I changed my mind. Well, mm -hmm. I definitely, I definitely hold want them to be able. Okay. Follow me maybe on TikTok on um so on Instagram or TikTok, but I would prefer that right now because your audience uh, they're SEO people. Everything I do is about taking them out of that world. You know what I'm saying? It's like showing them how to start a staffing business or starting a new course. I don't really want them to follow me from that perspective because I want them to engage with you in the way that you want them to engage with you. But what I do want to do is inspire them. I want to be able to for them to follow me and to Watch my, you know, TikTok videos and my Instagram videos and just stay on this journey with me as I'm growing and allow them to be on that journey with me too. Is that okay? That's absolutely great. See, what I love about you is the fire. 
that you bring and that is your authentic self, right? <laughs> so um, I think that the problem with us SEOs is we're so technical, we are a little stuffy. And um, so how do we bring fire, right? So I love that. Ooh, bring fire. Oh, that's, that's, that's a new it. episode. How <laughs> do we bring fire? I love it. So uh, I think I think, uh, I think, think we have something here. So, uh, okay, okay. I think that might be, I think that might be our next talk. Yeah. So how do we bring fire? Mm. Just like to ask everybody to do, do me a favor. Just follow me on Instagram. I'm at your D Williams, Y-O-U-R-D-E-E Williams. You can follow me on TikTok. I'm on your D Williams, Y-O-U-R-D-E-E Williams. 500 videos on YouTube. I'm D-E-E Williams, G-A. Just type in D Williams staffing. You will go crazy over the videos. You will just binge, binge, binge. Um, I'm on Facebook, not really. <laughs> Mainly TikTok, IG, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And you might see a tweet or two from, from me every now and then. But you can follow me at your D Williams. And I would love to engage with you on social media, get you fired up. <laughs> yeah, and, and and be on your journey, be, you know, share your journey with you too. So I really appreciate you having me here. I really oh, have had I such a blast. This is this has been great, and I'm I am so sorry I made you late for your meeting, but uh, this has been uh, an awesome, awesome, awesome interview. Uh, I will be talking to you soon. Awesome! So, I look awesome. forward to it. Thank you awesome. so much. You have a great day. Okay. You have a great day. All right. Bye bye. Are you ready to break through and accelerate how you learn SEO? then please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice or join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date. This is the EMJ SEO Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.